You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Marty, it's good to see you. How are you? Hello, Johnny. Hi, Bruce. Greetings. Bruce, how are you I'm doing good. today? Healthy and alive. Fantastic. We do have another special guest joining us this evening, and he's over next to you, Marty. Uh, would you like to introduce Thank our you. special guest, who might be weighing in on some of the topics we're going to discuss here tonight? This is my dear friend, um, and we shall just call him Link. Very good. Link, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. Glad to be. Yeah. Thanks for stopping in. Thanks for taking part in our discussion. Have you ever been on a podcast before? No, I haven't. You haven't. Okay. Well, this will be uh, this will be an experience then. But don't be afraid. Don't be nervous. We're not live or anything. I want to start today with uh, with a little bit of a correction. And I wasn't even aware of it until earlier this afternoon. It was right after I got off the phone with you, Marty. A friend of mine right. and a guy that we've had on here before, Alex, he called me and on on something that I had talked about two days ago. And that was the proclamation to disperse. I made reference to that possibly being signed by President Trump. And that was the order that the president considers it necessary to use the militia or armed forces under which he can immediately order insurgents to disperse and retire peaceably to their abodes within a limited time. Now, when I went to the uscode.gov website and I pulled that uh, proclamation, what was listed in the top left corner was uh, underneath the proclamation itself, it says, text contains those laws in effect on December 13th, 2020. And this order can only be signed in by a sitting U.S. president. Therefore, when I saw that, I interpreted that as President Trump signed that order on December 13th. What I didn't know, and I didn't realize this and until I actually had Bruce go back through and double check it, these dates rotate. So what this means is that the law is in effect, but it hasn't been exercised yet. So it's there, it's a valid law, and it is in play if it is needed. But the way that they word it on the site, in my opinion, is very deceptive because when you see something that says, text contains those laws in effect on December 13th, and the day was December 13th, I would expect that that's the day that it was signed because when they create a law, you typically see when it was enacted and when it was passed. You don't see the date on which you're looking at it saying that those laws are in effect on that day. So that was my mistake. Uh, and I've since gone back and corrected that. Uh, and so I'm not saying that, that this won't be used. It is in play. It is a law that's on the books and it has been used uh, several times before in recent history over the last 50 to 60 years. And to be honest with you, I, I think that it's perfectly justifiable giving the road we're going down. And this law would have to be put into effect to trigger the others. And the way that it was worded, uh, I thought that that was what had happened. Uh, and I was incorrect. And so I may, in the words of Governor Gavin Newsom from California, I made a bad mistake. And I want to apologize to you. I made a bad mistake. See? So yeah, I, uh, I that was my screw up. 
uh, I made the I, I made the mistake. I jumped the gun, and so I wanted to don't, make sure that don't I correct beat yourself that. up about it, Johnny. Don't well, beat I do. Up I, I do, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because and it, it's been bugging the hell out of me ever since Alex called me today and, and brought that to my attention. And because he looked at it too, and he said, "Well." I mean, it does say that the law went into effect on that day, but it doesn't say specifically that it was put there. He said, so you might want to go back and look at it again. And I did. And sure enough, he was right. But the reason that you say don't beat yourself, don't beat yourself up too much on it. I do because I care about what we do here, as all of us do. And I care about the integrity that we have. And I care about keeping that up with the loyal listener base that we do have that listen to us every day out of their own time. And we work really hard around here all of us do, to check, recheck, and then check again on things. And that's what I thought that I had done on that one particular thing, and I didn't do it. Uh, or I didn't do it well enough, or I missed. I, I, maybe it just came down to a simple misinterpretation. But our, our integrity going forward is all we've got. That's all we've got. I mean, th- those scumbags on TV and in the papers, they don't have any integrity. We'll talk about one of those people here in just a minute, Mr. Pierce Morgan. You know who that is. We'll talk about him here oh, in yeah. just a minute. But it's, it's because... Those things are put into legalese and weasley words that makes them so easy to misunderstand at times. If all matters of law was put into absolutely plain English, then we would have a better understanding as a world populace of what our actual laws are. But they are written in such a way that they keep the requirement for professional interpreters of the law those being solicitors and barristers. That's why they're written that way. And that's why it's so easy to make that kind of mistake. So that's why I'm saying don't beat yourself up about it. It's because those laws are are written in that way to make them confusing. And they're written by lawyers. So I would expect them to be confusing. The the other thing, while you were mentioning that, I know we spoke about it this afternoon. The fact that it was brought into into play... um, it might not be for the reasons you think or we would hope. It might be that if President Trump concedes and any ensuing civil disorder as a result of that, to put that down to make a smooth transition for President-elect Biden to come in, not necessarily for the reasons we think it, it might have been put into place. So this afternoon, Bruce, you got something you want to say on that? Yeah, I'll just add in um, what Marty was saying there actually sounds more Trump-esque than I, 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 could, I don't see Trump um, using violence to or, or strong arming like that to to get his own way, if you will. But no, it's more about the transition, a smoother yeah. transition. Yeah. Which is not anything any of us wants, but that's, that's the way I, I envisage that being used. So this afternoon... When you and I were talking on the phone, Marty, you seemed you seemed a little upset uh, and a little heated, and uh, or or my misunderstanding. And so I, uh, when I uh, when I was talking to you, uh, I got the feeling that you really didn't want to talk about politics tonight, or or that we could kind of you know cover cover several subjects rather than just one specific thing. But some of the things that that were uh, discussed between you and I today, obviously we can't repeat because of terms of service. We can't repeat some of the things that were said. But um, what are some of the things that you wanted to discuss that are most agitating to you that we can get out of the way early on and we can get onto the lighter stuff? Well, now you put me on the spot. It's difficult to to isolate any one or two things. It's just the the whole situation at the moment is is winding winding me up. 
there's the saying that artillery is the final argument of kings. And, you know, um, armed conflict is the last course of diplomacy. And right now, um, I'm at a point where I want to grab my musket and, and, and go and muster with the militia. But I haven't got a musket, unfortunately, because of our gun laws in the UK. So, um, but I know people who have got muskets. <laughs> uh, I'm the curious. Man next to me has got a black powder license. You, you, you even need a license for black powder. You need country, a license but... for black powder. You got well. It is an explosive. Um, I'm just yeah. curious, and I, I don't know, Link. I don't know your, uh, your political uh, uh, background or anything like that. But he does what uh, tell him. He does what you tell him. Okay. What exactly? <laughs> let me ask you this. What are your thoughts about all the craziness you're seeing right now? What, what are your thoughts? Let's get your perspective on some of this there is a lot of craziness out there at the moment exactly what is going on i think it's being used as a front for something else it's the way things are actually unfolding that's like going out in the evening nah civic time limits don't like it much everyone's starting to go into hermit mode well i think that honestly yeah honestly i think that's meant uh, that's being done on purpose it's so it's it's actually de-incentivizing people to stand up and do something about it but I have seen a lot of, and I'm sure it doesn't get much uh, much coverage over there, but I have seen a lot of protest across the UK, not just in London, but uh, in other cities. Uh, there was a big one in uh, Edinburgh. There was another one in Manchester last week. And I think there was another one, obviously, in, uh, in Liverpool that we've heard about, Leicester a couple of weeks ago. So, I mean, people are out in the streets. People are protesting. But Protesting only goes so far, in my humble opinion, because the government's obviously the protesting people are going to have to understand at some point the protesting isn't working. It's not working because since the beginning of this thing last year, people have been protesting week in and week out. And we see how much protesting is actually done. So you do have people out on the streets, but I'm not quite sure that it's loud enough. Well, I've been fairly vociferous. That's that word you didn't pronounce right the other day. You're never going to let me let Um, that down, are you? No, I'm not. You're right. Uh, I've been fairly vociferous uh, about the whole thing. What confuses me is no one's invited me to come along uh, and attend one of these protests, maybe because we're not doing it here in, in the south of England. It is happening in London. It is happening in Manchester, Liverpool, Edinburgh. And how are they organising? I, I wish they would invite me. I wish they'd say, come along. Let me know when you're doing it next. And I'll be there protesting with them. Um, I was held in check about uh, attending the Remembrance Day um, protest in London, um, which wasn't a protest. The idea was to protect the military monuments from Antifa and BLM. I wanted to be there for that, but I had to make a call uh, on whether it was worth the risk, knowing how I could have my buttons pushed quite easily uh, and getting the wrong outcome. So in the end, I chose not to go. But I, a little bit of me, I still feel a little bit of cowardice about that, about not being there to do that, because it it, it was a chance to stand up against these um, useful idiots. But these protests, which are about COVID restrictions and so on and so forth, are really protests against government. And government, we see, from what we can see, are having their strings pulled by the shadowy bastards we call the New World Order. And and so I want to protest about these restrictions, but I'm not 
you know, I've not had an email. I've not had a, a Facebook message. I've not had a WhatsApp to say, we're meeting here. We're doing this. Would you come along? And I'm wondering why. Yeah. And the Facebook is uh, barring people from, from organizing any of those kind of protests and whatnot. You'll, you'll have the group shut down, basically. There's a, there's a new message on Facebook Messenger now um, when you open it. At the top, it says something about some functions are no are, are not possible at this moment, uh, and it says some blarney about um, due to restrictions for communicating with Europe. So it's it looks to me like it's a case of they're they're shutting things down and using yeah. Brexit as a, as a, as an excuse yeah, to yeah. not allow the functions to have big groups on on a Facebook messenger group. You mentioned there about having go- or governments having their strings pulled by the new world order. You know, and I've mentioned this uh, to, to several people and they, they're starting to get it, but it's a little difficult. If you look at the actions that are being taken by the UK governments, various US states and most European nations on the mainland, they're all saying exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. They're taking the same steps. They're imposing the same rules, the same restrictions across the board. These people are not that smart. These people are a bunch of idiots. They're not figuring this stuff out for themselves. They're not coordinating with each other, which goes to the higher point. They're coordinating with someone else. And I'm thinking that it's entirely possible that it could have something to do with this data dump that came out a few days ago of the 1.95 million registered Communist Party of China members that was first put out by the Australian press. And then, of course, it's uh, hit the UK news uh, and it's it's largely hitting over here, too. But as soon as this was put out, 24 hours later, all Western nations were told they were going into hard lockdowns. Well, why why do you think that is? Because of what's in this that might be a little bit damning to some people? It's going to possibly embarrass the Chinese Communist Party. It's going to embarrass the people here in the West that are compromised in the corporations and in the government. Sure, sure. They're going to look like complete ass clowns on the world stage. And if Donald Trump gets back in office, as I was telling you on the phone earlier today, Marty, this whole thing, this this whole COVID thing is going to get cracked wide open. And European leaders in these countries can't be having that. They're already grasping at straws to try and keep the lid on their populations now. And so if this whole thing's brought out to be a, a bunch of malarkey and everybody in the U.S. start getting arrested in mass, well, then... I mean, it stands to reason that these people are going to lose confidence in uh, in the UK or in their their respective governments as well. It's just a thought. But uh, the leaked files expose a mass infiltration of UK firms by the Chinese Communist Party, including AstraZeneca, Rolls Royce, HSBC and Jaguar Land Rover. So loyal members of the Chinese Communist Party are working with British consulates, universities and for some of the UK's leading companies. The leaked database of 100 and, uh, 100 might as well be 1.95 million registered party members reveals how Beijing's malign influence now stretches into almost every corner of British life, including defense firms, banks and pharmaceutical giants. Some members who swear oaths to guard the party secrets, be loyal to the party, work hard, fight for communism throughout my life and never betray the party are understood to have jobs in British consulates. What's your thoughts on it? Hong Kong Singapore Banking Corporation, HSBC, no big surprise there. They call, you know, the, the, the clues in the name. When I came back from the Middle East, I had to seriously jump through hoops to get my uh, security clearance that I need for my job. Um, because I've been out of the country for 10 years I had to have... But didn't you, just curious, didn't you have security clearance to do the job in the Middle East? You had to have. 
I had to have UK security clearance to be considered for ah, it, which I did have. Okay. okay. Well, we, we can we can say that when I came back, I needed to jump through hoops, despite the fact that I've got two UK service numbers, one for the Army, one for the Navy. Having been working as a civilian in the manufacturing of, of defence equipment, I had to be security cleared. But because I spent some time in a Middle Eastern country, I was not entitled to automatic security clearance. I had to really jump through hoops to get it. So it surprises me that the the level of search when they PV someone, personal vet someone, that the fact that they're a member of the Chinese Communist Party hasn't cropped up. Unless, Unless the people that are doling out the clearances are on the take too. Well, you know, you said earlier on that, oh, is this going to embarrass the CCP? Of course, it's not going to embarrass them. They're going to give themselves a clap, a, a pat on the back for being so good at infiltrating just about every level uh, of our society and infrastructure. So they're not going to be embarrassed. The people who should be embarrassed are the arsehats who've, who've allowed these people into these jobs without proper security clearance and, and out, without proper vetting. It's ludicrous that this should be the case. And, you know, if I was French, thank God I'm not, but if I was French, I'd be shouting for the guillotines to be erected in the town squares again. You know, uh, their national anthem, the the Marseillaise, there's a verse which is, the blood of the impure will fill the culverts deep. Uh, I love the French national anthem. Can't stand the French, love their national anthem. Um, It's so rousing. And it's so patriotic. And um, yeah, Madame Guillotine uh, would be very busy if if I had my way. You, you know we have French listeners, right? I do know that. And bonjour, mon brave, conserva. Uh, other than that, um, you know, if, if it wasn't for the French... You lot wouldn't have won the War of Independence. Oh, we're going again. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go with that. Yes, and the Dutch gave yeah, us a loan we, afterwards. Yeah, yeah we yeah. will for, for, yeah. for just a minute or two. We will go with that. Had you not have um, seceded from the United Kingdom, well, we didn't then- want to. We we didn't want to understand that we didn't want to. If you hadn't put the tax on the tea. The 2% tax on the T, then that wouldn't have happened. Okay, that's the first thing. If the king hadn't done that, it wouldn't have happened. Okay, second thing, you have to remember, 97% of the colonists didn't want to abandon the crown. They didn't want to leave. No, I know. I know. But the trouble was, the king at the time had lead poisoning, which was causing him to be rather mad. It is indeed, there's a film called The Madness of King George. But well, of course he was mad. He was a king. long story short, had you not have had the assistance from the French, there would be one superpower in the world at the moment. The new world orders that, that are trying to achieve globalization um, wouldn't have had to bother because there would have been one superpower, and that would be the United States of the United Kingdom. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's really why I dislike the French. That and um, oh, there's loads of reasons. I can't go into them all now, but they have got a really good national anthem congratulations Trey magnifique and to be honest with you they have really good food i i don't i don't really get on with the, like the snails and the frogs but other than that they, they do have really good food they do have good food they have exceptional food there's there's no doubt about that so uh, all right i i get i get what you're saying that's 
uh, that the uh, the elites here uh, and you know you say that they're not going to and the um, the Chinese Communist Party they're not going to be uh, embarrassed by this. But uh, you also brought up another point today, and it's relevant to communist China, and it's also relevant to to this here uh, this data dump, and and that is the U.S. election uh, because that's another that's another piece to this puzzle. You wanted me to pull a clip uh, of Bernie Sanders. Yeah. The the reason you wanted me to pull this was because he oddly had a prediction back in October. He said this. We're gonna, we got the audio here. He oddly had this prediction back in October about what precisely was going to happen on election night. Now, how in the world did he know that? Well, I'll tell you how he knew it. Because of what we covered here that was wargamed by the Transition Integrity Project. If you didn't have COVID, if you didn't have the coronavirus then you wouldn't have had the mail-in ballots, the absentee ballots on that scale. You wouldn't have had the drive-in voting, the voting weeks, the voting months, none of it. You wouldn't have had that. Hell, if they could have gone online voting with it, they would have gotten away with that too. But they knew that this was coming and they knew exactly what they were going to do. And Bernie called it. And I want to play it. This, this is a clip you wanted, right, Marty? Yeah. Yeah, the, the Bernie... St- Yes, the Bernie Sanders. Yes, yes, of course. Your phone's even saying so, yeah. Yes, my phone is agreeing with you. I turned it on so I could find something to read out in a minute. But yes, this clip by Bernie Sanders. Had he have done this level of prophecy in the 17th century in New England, he would have been burnt as a witch. There is no doubt about it. They'd have put a big load of of sticks around him uh, and, and then set fire to him because... It is so accurate a prediction. Because they wargamed it. Let's uh, let's listen to that now. You're going to have a situation, I suspect, in states like Pennsylvania, um, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, other states, where they are going to be receiving huge amounts of mail-in ballots. And unlike states like Florida or Vermont, they're not being able, for bad reasons, to begin processing those ballots until... I don't know, election day or maybe when the polls close. That means you're going to have states dealing with perhaps millions of mail-in ballots. Now, what's important is what he says. I mean, all that is relevant. That all, all of that is relevant because he calls out the exact states. But more than that, he calls out what is going to be happening on the next day. And so let's listen because this clip goes on, right? Let's take a listen to this. And you, again, you would think that he knew exactly what was going to happen. Of course, he says, well, we didn't know what was going to happen. Of course you did. Of course, you knew exactly what was going to happen because you knew that this is exactly what the party was going to do. And this is exactly what all of the fraud has exposed is precisely this. It is likely that the first votes that will be counted will be those people who came in on election day, which will be Republican. And here is the fear. And I hope everybody hears that. It could well be, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. But it could well be that at 10 o'clock on election night, Trump is winning in Michigan. He's winning in Pennsylvania. He's winning in Wisconsin. And he gets on the television. He says, thank you, Americans, for reelecting me. It's all over. Have a good day. But then the next day and the day following, all of those mail-in ballots start getting counted. And it turns out that Biden has won those states, at which point Trump says, see, I told you the whole thing was fraudulent. I told you those mail-in ballots were crooked. And I got, you know, we're not going to leave office. You couldn't have planned it better if you tried. It's um, <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? He, he called it exactly as it happened. Um, and it's he's, he's, he's then presented it in such a way 
that you can't say that it's a fraud. It's fake. So it's, um, yeah, uh, that's why I wanted you to play it because it's so obvious that it's, that it's a setup. Absolutely a setup. Bruce, your thoughts on that? Well, the only thing he didn't mention there was the four o'clock dumps that we've seen, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, because they needed to figure out what they needed first. Right. So, I mean, that, that that's essentially what happened. And that's, as we've talked about, that's what they were planning. You know, that that's what they were wargaming out. So, uh, but, you know, hey, well, I guess we'll see where it goes. I've, I've Constitution doesn't say anything about what happens when uh, the litigation continues. And, you know, I, I don't know if you can remove a sitting president if there's found voter fraud. I would assume so. I don't know. Well, yeah, but the problem is, is the, the courts aren't hearing it. That That's the problem is, I mean, it was worked all the way up to the Supreme Court. 21 states put their names on it to, and it went to this. They took it to the Supreme Court and the court just tossed it. They didn't even bother looking at it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it'd be one thing if these... Uh, the state legislatures and the Supreme Court were actually looking at this, but they're not doing any of that. But what I think Trump is doing is he is exhausting every possible avenue that he can before, I mean, what we discussed two days ago, the possible nuclear option. That lever can be pulled and it is legal. And to be quite honest with you, it fits with what's being done over there right now. So uh, it stands to reason. And Marty, you asked a, a very interesting question today, and we can talk about this aspect of it too. Does Trump have the military on his side? You, you asked that question. Yeah, because if he's going to enact that law you were talking about earlier on, bring it into force, the only way to maintain any kind of peaceful state is massive force. If you remember when BLM and Antifa took over whole blocks of was it was it in Chicago? Seattle. Seattle, I beg your pardon. Yeah. So they, they took over whole blocks in Seattle. And I said at the time the only way to stop that without civilians, because that's what they are, they're not they're not military, they're not even paramilitary, without civilians being killed would be an absolutely massive response, a huge response um by the military. But the constitution has rules against it and uh, it, is uh, posse comitatus part of the constitution or is that it, a separate it law? Is, no, it's separate. But uh, is my understanding, uh, George Bush Jr. Uh, did away with that. But he's also the same one that is responsible for uh, Executive Directive 51, the creation of that, which is, in this case, could be enacted. Yeah. So, you know, the, the massive military response that should have happened as soon as people took over whole city blocks and declared themselves outside the union, um, there should have been a response, but there but there wasn't. And and so if it's going to happen to um solve the problem of the Supreme Court completely dismissing out of hand the the um the legal cases, then he has to have absolute support of the generals. I want to play a clip of, and this is just audio, this is just a, uh, about 30 seconds here. This is Trump when he walked into the Army-Navy uh, foot, American football game the other day. Uh, it's a traditional game that, uh, that those two branches play against each other at West Point, and it was the 121st annual Army-Navy football game. And I want you to hear the response. Now, mind you, 99% of the people that are in those stands are soldiers and sailors. And of course, he took the field as soon as he came out of the tunnel with the generals and with the admirals. I want you to hear the response of the uh, of the soldiers in the stands. Yeah. 
And that's exactly what you want to hear from your armed forces when you're head of state. Absolutely. You want to hear them behind you. Obviously, what size stadium is that? How many does it seat? Uh, I want to say, Bruce, can you pull that real quick? West Point uh, Football Stadium, can you see how many people it seats? 38,000. That's that's quite an impressive noise for what by our Army and Navy crowd is quite small. Our, <laughs> our Army-Navy game, which is rugby, um, which is like your American football, but played without the pads and by real men. Um, <laughs> I knew it was it's... going. I knew it was going. <laughs> <laughs> that's got that's got a capacity of eighty thousand. And I was there, not the last Army Navy game, but the one before that. I was there for, and we didn't make that much noise. So you know that's that's quite impressive, uh, and it's heartening to hear. Um, and it is indicative of where. Donald's support actually lies. It lies with the hardworking, patriotic people of the United States of America. All those country-hating scum that are stood there with their hands out waiting for freebies, which is why you've got so, so many of your blue states are flat broke, is because they're, they're just handing stuff out, making people reliant on the state and on state government. Yeah, the majority of people, hardworking, patriotic Americans will be behind Donald Trump. And you don't get a uh, a broader spectrum uh, uh, and perfect example of the spectrum within your country than you do within your armed forces. Because there's people of all creeds, colors, states, you know, every kind of person is in your armed forces. And to me, when I hear that crowd like that, uh, that that doesn't that doesn't strike me as a person that doesn't have the support from the military. It doesn't strike me as that at all. I, like I say, I'm heartened by that noise. But when you think about it, if he has to use this option, I don't want um, him to. I, I don't want him to. No, I, I, no, no. I don't. I don't think anyone wants him to. But at the end of the day, something has to be done because if we let them get away with it, then it's game over for us for a long time. It will take a very long time for a worthwhile opposition to the Democrats to evolve and to emerge. So someone has to do something. But that option is it's got all the traits of a totalitarian rule. And of course, that's what we are trying to resist. But like your little book that you had the other day, um, the little black one that says that, um, you know, it could be considered self-defense. Maybe you have to learn from your enemy. It's it's good to learn from your own mistakes, but it's better to watch some other poor sod screw up and learn from his. So if it's already there, if it's already there as a suggestion, then maybe that is what's needed. But it's it's such a horrible thing to have to contemplate. It is. I mean, and it's fair points you make there, but uh, you had posed the point to me earlier today. You said, does he have the support of the military? And to be honest with you, just that little snippet, I'd say that he, that he does. And he's also been in the process over the last several months, as you know, of pulling our troops out of deployments around the world while reinforcing um, uh, deployments in others, in other key areas. For example, we've got a carrier fleet that's now sitting in the middle of the Persian Gulf. The Nimitz just arrived there the other day for 
other reasons, I guess. But he's in the process of withdrawing everyone and bringing them back home. Because if you're going to pull that option, if you're going to pull that lever as a last resort, you need to have the military ready to, to go after and start arrest mass arrests of these networks. You've got to put them in facilities to detain them. And then you have to begin the military tribunals for treason. That's what has to happen here. Yeah, I mean... There could be another reason for the drawdown or uh, of troops elsewhere. I've said to you before that American foreign policy has kept things, it hasn't done much uh, until Donald Trump with regards to peace in the Middle East. It seems to, to did an outside see, observer. Did you see, just on that note right, right there, did you see the big party that they had at the Burj Khalifa the other night? No, no, I'm afraid I didn't, but I'd, I'd probably have some friends who were probably there. They erected so, a massive menorah there, and they and it's kept up through the entirety of Hanukkah, which is which is great, isn't it? Because the the UAE and and Israel have started to talk to each other. They've recognised each other, and the next step is Saudi to do the same. And, and, and think, Morocco is now on board as well. Yeah, because. Previous American foreign policy has kept the Gulf in turmoil because it does a couple of things. It keeps oil prices high and it allows us to sell lots and lots of uh, military hardware to the friendly countries in the Gulf region. So maybe that's not necessary anymore because the shadowy buggers that have, um, you know, used that turmoil to keep things going for their own plans. Uh, are no longer calling, well, were no longer calling the shots because Donald's uh, election was never expected. Perhaps they didn't have time to get their teeth firmly into him to, to keep that up. So, yeah, one reason they're needed back at home. The other reason is that maybe American foreign policy, which has has caused so much trouble in the past in the Middle East, has changed. But of course, if um, if the Republicans don't hang on to the presidency, then that will just disappear into the ether. Is it bad that I don't want the Republicans to hang on to the presidency? No, because what's the name of our podcast? Uh, Dynamic Independence. And have we not spoken on many occasions how parliaments or governments of independence is the best possible way for any democracy? I agree. Because as soon as you put a party badge on, um, you are either doing what you're told by your party leaders, or you are being bribed, coerced, and encouraged by the ultra-rich to do their bidding. It's too easy when you're in a party to be bought, or to have your leaders bought from over above you, and then wind up doing the elite bidding because your party leaders are telling you to do so. Or the bidding of the Chinese Communist Party, in the uh, the case of the data dumps. We talked there a little bit about the uh, about the French and of course, Brexit is now there. Do you guys have a deal or not? I have absolutely no idea. It's I don't think anyone does. More and more, more and more like no deal. I think Boris, the prolific pram filler, has kicked the can down the road again. And um, von der Leyen seems to be talking about an extension to the discussions. But the simple fact is you can't get them to accept uh, any deal because they are so convinced that they want to make us squirm, they want to punish us, despite the fact that we bailed all of Europe's arse out of two world wars, with your help, obviously. A little bit late, but you were there. Thank you. We sent supplies we, ahead of time. Yeah, which you charged us handsomely for. And pilots. Oh, yeah, they did. 
the pilots were particularly welcome because, quite frankly, had the Battle of Britain not been won with those pilots, then we'd all be speaking German now anyway. So, or worse. Yeah, but they also want these... The, the, the biggest uh, contention at the moment is the fishing rights. And that's the bit that we're having the hardest time with. And it's the French, particularly, that are putting their foot down. Now, you can see the maps, you can see the UK um, waters, and they are fairly split. They are fairly split. France has got a coast in the Mediterranean. France has got a coast further down past the English Channel in the southwestern western approaches. We have got our little bit around the channel where there's a nice line 12 miles either side, one side French, one side British. Just get used to it, Macron. Just get used to it. And I do hope that our government has got the cojones to sink trawlers if they are caught breaking the rules. And it's funny you bring... Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I want to talk about the uh, the fishing thing here because this seems to be a, a something that's turning into a, a real heated uh, thing with uh, with this whole Brexit thing. Uh, and this is out of the Times of London, and it says a French company wins a license to monitor British fishing boats. And it says businesses that won the tender to track UK fishing vessels wherever they operate, as well as foreign licensed boats in British waters, is a Collecte Localization Satellite, so CLS, a French maritime surveillance provider. It was awarded by the Department of the Environment, Food, Rural Affairs uh, in late summer, having previously been held by a British firm, Global Vista. Now, that's happening on the French side. But what's happening in retaliation to that on the UK side? This is out of Breitbart, and it says that the UK prepares laws empowering Royal Navy to board EU vessels fishing British waters illegally. So I think those steps are being taken, as you're saying. Yeah, they are. And I, I know from personal sort of details that, that they are being being made, that the Fishery Protection Squadron is indeed getting ready to conduct that job. But as for giving a French company the, the contract to monitor and track fishing vessels, sure, they can monitor and track in their own waters, fine. But we should be monitoring and tracking from our perspective as well. It should be a British concern to do that because it doesn't take much for for a little, a few degrees of latitude or longitude to be changed to say that that ship was in French waters. So purely for legal reasons, we shouldn't accept a French company doing this. It's absolutely ludicrous that our weak-willed bought and paid for government of soppy Tory public schoolboys should be selling us out to the French. It should be a British company that does it. And if we haven't got the technology and haven't got the infrastructure, we need to spend money, buy it, put it in space so that we can track them. There's there's a, a thing called the Global Maritime Distress uh, Signal System. And every ship has, over a certain size anyway, has to, by law, have certain elements of the GMDSS system on board it. There's already satellite tracking of every vessel that's big enough to be a concern. All it takes is for our satellites that are already up there to relay to a computer readout which ship is where and is it on the right side of the imaginary line down the middle of the channel. And I have a quote here from uh, Emmanuel Macron himself. He says, I'm not asking to have my cake and eat it. No. All I want is cake that's worth its weight because I won't give up my share either. Uh, that's what he said about the, uh, I guess, the uh, the quotas yeah. and the yeah. uh, 
uh, the entitlement to the marine resources of the territorial waters uh, in or out of the EU. I'd like to introduce Mr. Macron to a friend of mine called the throat punch. (laughs) Well, Um, look, the fish... The fish does, don't know which side of the um, imaginary line they're supposed to swim on. There aren't any cod with French accents, and there are no cod with British accents. So keep your trawlers to your 12 miles. We'll keep our trawlers to our 12 miles. Otherwise, we'll sink your trawlers. Simple as that. Well, and the uh, like I said, the, uh, the the laws are being prepared for the Royal Navy to do just that. And to be honest, I, this one kind of surprised me. May, maybe I'm, I'm wrong here. Maybe you can correct me. But the Scottish fishermen have even jumped on board with this. And they've actually said that the EU are acting like bullies who steal your lunch and expect you to be grateful for a few crumbs back. Yeah. And if you look at what the English fishing fleet used to look like, and the Scottish fleet used to look like they were massive. It was a huge industry. But since the common agricultural uh, policy and the selling off of fishing rights and, and the whole EU setup, we've suffered, our industry has suffered, and their industry has grown. And Brexit means we need to start doing it for ourselves again instead of importing food. Why should you know food travel so much? We go out, we catch it, we come in, it gets sold locally and it gets distributed further around this country rather than it gets caught by French or Spanish fishermen. It gets processed in Spain or France. It then gets transported by truck through the Channel Tunnel or across on ferries and back to the UK. Doesn't make sense ecologically, doesn't make sense financially. So it, it's been a setup from almost day one of the uh, European Union to disadvantage British fishermen and to advantage French Spanish fishermen. So we've had enough. Uh, we've seen through your little game. We've left. Stop prevaricating. Do the deal, or let's have no deal. We don't mind. Isn't that what you said to your uh, your friend James O'Brien? Uh, instead of saying goodbye, you know, thanks for all the fish. Uh, and and you know we, we've had enough in Dubai. It seems that it's that's come full circle now with uh, with all of this with the uh, the debacle with the fisheries. So it, it's been taken well, quite literally. Yeah, because yeah, that's a is it Douglas Adams? That's a farewell and thanks for all the fish. Was yeah. a, a Douglas Adams uh-huh. um, quote. Well done. I'm impressed. That's actually a bit of fiction. You don't often read fiction. No, or, no or did really you don't. just or did you just see the TV show? No, I saw the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> you talk there about food. Uh, this is this is out of Belgium. This is interesting, and I, I'm I'm betting this is coming from the World Economic Forum because I mean, why wouldn't it? They say that they're going to start replacing butter with larvae fat from insects because it's more sustainable than dairy. You would talk the other day about bringing up uh, the portions of of rations that you had during the Second World War, and the U.S. had the, I the same. Around during the Second World War, I hasten. I, I understand, but, but you no, you were making reference to it, is what I meant. Yeah. See, this stems back to my childhood. There was a, a scientist who used to appear, appear on a TV show called Magnus Pike, and his family lived in my hometown. And one year at our festival, Magnus, who was quite a famous person, they used to gesticulate wildly, uh, you know, throw his arms about while he was describing stuff. He came and he gave a lecture, and part of that lecture talked about vitamin D, which we mentioned the other day, and how when we stopped eating butter because of the amount of vitamin D it contains, and we started to use a substitute called margarine, that 
the uh, condition of rickets re-emerged. We'd got rid of rickets. People weren't being born with these lower limb defects. But then with the rationing and the lack of butter and the lack of sunshine here in the UK, um, which is probably why I'm such a miserable man, is is what caused the, 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 the problem of rickets because we weren't getting the vitamin D. Now, if there's a strong possibility that these bug grease uh, substitute might yeah. actually have enough vitamin D in it. They they say but that the insect food has higher. They they say that it has it has higher levels of protein, uh, vitamins, fiber, and minerals. And other countries are looking at doing the same thing, but they're they're using it as uh, as kind of a. Um, you know, a sustainable source, right? Because the the word of the day for Agenda 2030 is sustainability, right? So they're looking at it. They're saying it's more sustainable because insects use less land than cattle, of course. They're more efficient mm-hmm. than con- uh, at converting feed, and they also use less water to produce all this uh, this butter that they have, which is just it's literally they 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 take this uh they they soak like this uh black fly larvae in a bowl of water and it's, oh, it looks it looks awful i'm sitting here looking at it they put it in a blender and they create like this uh grayish dollop kind of stuff and then they use a kitchen centrifuge to kind of separate it out we eat some weird stuff already there, there's like blue cheese for instance you know it's it's a, like a perfectly good piece yeah like we all cheese. do but it's a, a perfectly good piece of cheese that someone then puts copper wire through causing it to um corrupt and uh there's no wonder they're trying to find a use for all these bugs because with the level of filth and corruption in amongst european governments there are bound to be lots of bugs coming forth from this putrefied mass that is the body politic in europe but i don't want it what are they going to do with the land that they don't use anyway what are they going to do with it? Make golf are they going to are they going to reforest it and turn it into common land uh, and let people roam over it? No, of course not. It's still in ten no. percent of the ownership. Sorry, ten. It's in ninety percent of it is still in ten percent of the population's ownership, and the farms won't get any smaller. I'm sorry, but they're they're just looking for something to do, aren't they? They're like shock jocks. Hey guys, we're going to get you to eat bugs. No, you're not. I tell you what, I'm never accepting a packed lunch in Belgium ever again. You know, uh, I just pulled it up and, and did a, uh, looked at some of the research tests that they were doing with this. They created things like cookies, waffles, pancakes, um, using this. Um, this specific one was black fly larva and, uh, or excuse me, black soldier fly larva. They said for most of it, they could only do 25% substitution of this. So they could only put... Uh, substitute twenty five percent of the butter with these without affecting the flavor. Whereas before the other stuff, like crap, is before it mean. before it tastes rancid, smelled rancid, yeah. you know that that that's ba- yeah. And then others that's exposed to direct heat, like waffles, for example, it was able to go up to fifty percent. But what they found is if you go in the fifty percent range, that's uh, their participants were unable to ingest it because it smelled rancid. It was literally yeah. making them heave, you know. So I, I used to work with a Spanish chef who used to tell me that he could cook me a turd and I would still eat it because he'd be able to flavor it in such ways. Well, clearly he was wrong and I'm hoping he never actually did that. But um, if, you he, add, if you add enough, if you add enough MSG in there, you know, maybe, but 
No one wants it. That's, no. that's the thing, you see. No one wants it, and we don't actually need it. We can still feed ourselves in the traditional way without eating this gross crap that they are suggesting. Our whole cuisine, now I know a lot of people malign British food, but we have got our own cuisine, we have got our own dishes, and they are all perfectly acceptable, and they don't tend to go in for the weird and wonderful stuff that other countries' cuisines go in. Oh, I'm not entirely sure on that, my friend. When I learned well, what black I, pudding was, I yeah. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. There was one item on the full English breakfast that I will never eat, and it is, Link. Well, you don't like black pudding, though, either, do you? I don't, I don't like, like black pudding. pudding. We don't like black pudding. We're two proper, big, upstanding fully grown British men, and we don't like black pudding. Well, okay, Because right. I think it's I've, French. Because <laughs> you think it's French. You know, I, I've got a friend of mine, uh, Bruce yes, and I have a mutual... Yeah, I, I've got a... Bruce and I have a mutual friend in Southern Ireland, and he's threatening to send me white pudding. What's the difference? Um, well, one's made with blood. The other one is made with fat. I got you. Okay. So I don't want either one. No, you don't. They're they're both horrible, horrible dishes. Okay, so, yeah, I told him to keep the, it. Yeah. Why 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 are we trying to go down the road of insects? Right. I've got uh, a family member that, that that is now vegan, and I've tried some of the cooking that uh, is vegan, and they've used uh, dairy and butter substitutes. That stuff is actually pretty good. You, you there there is a difference. You can taste the difference, but it's enjoyable. It's not like rancid, nasty insect larva. I, I just I don't understand it's, it. When you I think understand what the larva eats, you don't want to be eating the same thing. But you just said it. You just said it right there. It's enjoyable. That right there is the problem. It is enjoyable. They don't want anyone to enjoy anything. Yeah, they they want our heads full of this idea that you know everything's changing. We've got to get get used to these ideas. And I think this whole eating bugs and drinking sewage is all a bit of a it's a distraction uh you know to to make us be thinking about that and being up in arms about those concepts while they slip all that other bollocks through and by us like i'm in the future i own nothing and i am happy all my products are services i eat less meat they can go to hell, quite frankly. Yeah, and you know who else can go to hell? Guy by the name of Piers Morgan. He can go straight to hell too. Uh, I, I don't. Oh, like let's this talk guy. about Piers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm. Look, all he wants is to be popular and to be right. He's like he's, he's the flip side of James O'Brien. James O'Brien wrote a book about called something along the lines of how to be right in a in a in a world gone wrong. In a world gone wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a, he's an arrogant prick, and so is Piers Morgan. And all he wants is popularity. He's actually got a bigger platform than James O'Brien. He's got the daytime telly, the morning show, those kind of things. Um, and he also does podcasts, I believe, and, too, as well. Yeah, I wouldn't listen to one though. He bores me witless. I don't. I, I don't want to big myself up, but I am a damn sight more interesting than Piers Morgan. You are. You are. I have to say. I mean, I've been watching Piers Morgan off and on for over the years, and the guy is as dull as a as a as a Waffle House knife for he, sure. He grabs any topic and tries to. What's the word I'm looking for? It'll come to me in a moment. He, he he makes it more dramatic than it than it is. And he used to be editor of the Sun, I believe. And you know what I think of the Sun. Oh yes. So it, it's a, a right wing useless rag that doesn't really doesn't really uh, report the news accurately. 
and I'd rather I'd rather he wasn't on television. I might actually watch some morning news shows if he wasn't. Well, he's been slammed. He's no, mate. Well, he he hasn't said anything. He he hasn't said anything. It's what he's done. He's he's fallen into the uh, the category of uh, being a hypocrite, like a lot of these other people that have done, such as you know Governor Gavin Newsom, for example. I made a bad mistake. That, I mean, that, that's just what he does. What he's done now is he's always harping on people, I guess, on his TV show and and all these you know his tweets and things like that. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Wear a mask when you go out in public, right? Well, he got into a taxi and he didn't have a mask on and. With the people that are out there, with everybody's got camera phones now, they caught him without wearing a mask, getting into a taxi. British news anchor Piers Morgan has been slammed as a total hypocrite after being caught not wearing a mask in public over the weekend, despite lecturing everyone else for months about the need to wear a mask. So he was pictured getting into a cab in London without a mask on, prompting him to admit that he was an idiot. And um, it, this was on the uh, the front page of the Daily Star uh, yesterday. And I, I know the Daily Star is a thing, but it, it's about the picture more than anything else. Yeah. Well, should we really be criticising Piers Morgan? We can criticise him for his hypocrisy, but the fact that he wasn't wearing a mask, because let's face it, the masks don't do what we are being told they do. New studies out today, Um, by the way, saying that they're completely useless. Yeah, but they're, they're all like that. They are hypocrites. These public personas are fake. We need much less fakery and a lot more genuine people into the media. Because at least that way, we might get a glimmer of what the real truth and what the real news is. But we don't because it's pumped full of people who just want to be there for their own egos. Oh, dear. I've just realized I've got a bit of an ego. But um, it's... Uh, yours is that's, justified. That's I have to. I, I would argue yours is justified. Oh, shukran jazilan. That means a thousand thanks in Arabic, by the way. They're there for their own ego and therefore they're a false personality and so hypocrisy is a natural pitfall for people who are false he has put out uh in a tweet he says i did breach the covid rules for a few seconds by forgetting to put my mask on before i got in the cab fortunately i see fortunately i remembered as we pulled away and i put it on masks help save lives so it's very important we all remember to wear them when we should so see, he already recognizes the error of his ways, and he's already made up for it. Well, I, I think that's brilliant. But talking of Twitter, as you were, because he tweeted, I had my first ever retweet the other day. No one has ever retweeted any of my tweets, um, because usually I find myself in the middle of a bunch of snowflakes, libtards, and uh, of course, they're not going to repeat what I said. But because I used the term wank puffin in one yeah, of my tweets. It's, it's funny. Kayla Burley, she got caught throwing a birthday party, too, without masks or social distancing. Just, yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. That, I believe I used the term when I described her. But there's, <laughs> there's a um, someone with a Twitter account that is rude word of the day. And they retweeted my tweet, which contained the word wank puffin, as an exemplar on how to use the word wank puffin. So I was... I was mightily impressed and, and, and pleased with that, I have to say. Anything else you wanted to cover tonight? We're at time. Uh, no, I'm good. But um, hopefully next time Link is here, I'll get him to say more. I may need to I may need to prod him occasionally. But he's sat here. I think he's enjoyed the experience of being in the room. Um, and hopefully next time he'll have more to say. Yeah, I'd be happy to, to have another perspective. You're, you're of course, uh, welcome to come on here anytime you're, uh, if you're available. Uh, and if you're around, uh, you're around there with Marty, be happy to have you on. Cheers. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably come. 
pop back in again, definitely. All right, looking forward to it. I did. Pop back in again, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably pop back in definitely. Dialectical differences, yeah. All right. He could be a politician so easily. He could be. He could be. Are, are you secretly Matt Hancock? Is I that, is that what you not mean? have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. We are going to have to go, but uh, I want to thank you guys for being here tonight. So for those of you who have not, you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. Love getting all of your likes, your echoes, your comments, and your feedback. You can follow me over there at Anderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you want to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line via email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcast, with the exception of SoundCloud. Marty, do you want to do your little insert there? No. I did have something that's completely gone. You've you've thrown me. Um, (laughs) Usually usually when I pitch right there to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates, usually you're you're chiming in saying that you'd like to thank the listeners and we're actively recruiting because we need to diversify and and all the rest of it. Well, now you've said that now. Now I can just say I hope Bruce is recovering uh, because I know he's been physically exerting himself recently and I hope he's getting rested and, and the aches and pains are going. Actually, I'm doing much better now. I can I can finally walk properly. So that's more than I can do. Well done. And I've not had a drink yet. <laughs> yeah, no port this evening then. <laughs> like the no, last. No time. port. We're, we're going to sort that out tomorrow. Yeah, the night is young. Link, Link's going to be here with me tomorrow, and after I finish work, uh-huh. um, we, we might well have a couple. Okay. So, <laughs> probably, uh, definitely, but definitely. definitely. Yeah, pro- probably, but definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Are we done now? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out where I was. Friends oh, yes. and family. Part oh, yes. of the friends and family. Yes, yes, yes. Also, if you're rating podcast, if you could drop over to Apple Podcast or any other respective platform you listen to us on that has a rating system and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce, Marty, and Link, thank you guys for your time tonight. Bye-bye, guys. Thank Bye-bye. you. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence, and together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.